When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor and Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for finding us on your favorite podcast app. Also on the Dash Radio, nothing but net channel every single day at 7 p.m. And you can catch my show on Onside Radio every day at 10 a.m. Also check out FiveReasonsSports.com. Already the latest takeaways are up from Brady Hawk. We do not charge you. There is no paywall. Also check out the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network. That includes one of our newest sponsors, which is Best Ever. You can find them at BSTEVR.com. If you've ever wanted to simulate anything in the NFL this is where you go. You can sub out players from different teams, see how they would have fared with one player on one team or another on the other team. You can play teams against each other from different eras. Just plug it in. They will pump out for you a full game story, a box score, and everything along those lines. Tell you how, how often one team would have beaten the other. It's a great place to settle arguments in the NFL. Sign up for free. They're also going to have an NBA platform soon. So they're adding stuff every day. So all of those NBA arguments that you have about, I don't know, would Jordan have been better on LeBron's teams than LeBron on Jordan's teams? They're going to be adding all of that stuff. So go to bstevr.com. Again, that's bstevr.com. This is an official partner of the Five Reasons Sports Network. We'll have a new video up for best ever on the YouTube channel tomorrow. David Fernandez and I are going to simulate some dolphin stuff. So make sure you check that out. Again, it's bstevr.com. And now, tonight's episode. One, two, three, four, five. On the floor. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick with Alex Toledo and Greg Sylvander, part of the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back on Five on the Floor. Here's today's floor plan. We are dissecting another Miami Heat loss. After that, uh, we'll get to a segment that I did with one of our sponsors, but also a big Heat fan, Eric Brown of FiveReasonsRealtor.com. We did our value play segment, so stick around for that after one of the breaks. But before we get to that, um, everybody stayed up tonight. Alex, me, and Greg were all here, although I will admit I passed out for a little of the third quarter, so you guys will have to fill me in on some of that. Um, that's where the lead... Uh, which was all the way up at 15, started to slip away. The Heat then sort of seemed to regain control, lost it again, ended up going to overtime after some interesting decisions by Eric Spolster down the stretch. And then finally, Steph Curry, who had one of his worst games of the season, did what you expected Steph Curry to do, which was made a big three at the end to essentially end it. Um, I'll just start here. We keep saying every loss is the worst loss. Um, <laughs> you know, early in the season, it was getting blown off the floor by Milwaukee. Uh, you know, lately it was, you know, the offense totally in the tank against Utah, losing to a Clippers team without four starters. They're topping themselves or they're bottoming themselves. Um, Greg, where do you put this one? I mean, it's not the worst, but it is when you start to accumulate several of these and uh, particularly games that you have double digit leads that you've squandered now um, games that you should have won 
that you've squandered, I feel like, like, like these are the moments where um, seasons start to go south and that like just inevitably they catch up with you in a way where um, if a guy needs a tiebreaker on whether he's going to play again, um, you know, on this road trip or wait till they get back to Miami, you know, for a homestand, uh, those decisions start to get more and more magnified because like to, to lose to the Clippers the way they did to have this game essentially um, under control for a large period of time. And then to just see the bottom fall out of it as you went through the third to fourth quarter to overtime. Um, it, it's deflating. I'm out of answers. I mean, like, other, honestly, like there's one part of me that wants to like dissect this and talk about who played well and who didn't and, and what could be done differently. And then there's this other part of me that just says, you know what, like this is one of those years where you're, you're going to um, like, this is not going to end well. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean that—that's the thing. Like we talk about seasons, and before it was like when everybody gets healthy. And I'm like, well, there's some years not everybody gets healthy. But I feel Alex to a certain degree, and I want to dissect some specific decisions tonight. But I feel like to a certain degree, what happened, even though we tried to dismiss some of the early losses because again they didn't have all their players, they were dealing with COVID, the short break, all that other stuff. But what I've been saying lately on onside is that when you go, when you lose, like you just start to accumulate bad habits. Okay. And you start to accumulate doubt. And this team in the bubble last year, didn't have any doubt. They felt like they were going to overcome certain things this year, regardless of what the reasons were for those losses, they were still losses. And now I feel like this team doesn't know how to get out of its own way. They're not confident in themselves, but at times Eric Spolster is treating them like the team from last year. Like one decision tonight, I don't understand putting the two timeouts in your bag at the end of the game and just letting your team play through when they weren't making good decisions. I mean, what did you think of that? Yeah, I definitely thought that was weird. It didn't seem like something that Spo uh, typically does, especially like, like you said, they just had no rhythm offensively. It's not like they had any sort of momentum going and, you know, typically I'm all about letting the guys play and letting stuff happen, but, it was clearly a mess at that point already. It was just the, the Heat trying to, you know, make sure the Warriors didn't take the game, and there wasn't a lot of composure. But I think I, I think that's a good point that you brought up. So, like, think of it this way, though. Like, as I'm really unpacking this box score from tonight's game against Golden State, we've arrived at the place where the Heat are now squandering games where they get two more field goal attempts at the basket than their opponent. They shot better from the field. They shot slightly better from the three-point line. Um, they didn't get out-rebounded tonight. They out-rebounded Golden State by five. And the turnover battle was even, and they're still losing. So, like, this is what I mean by, and what, Ethan, what you've been alluding to when you talk about habits and you talk about slippage and you talk about the way that seasons progress. And – so now you're starting to see games where there were certain statistics that we could point at at a box score really easily and say, okay, this is why Miami's losing. Now they're, they're, they've cleaned up some of that and they're finding new ways to squander games. And it's just, it's a recipe for disasters. Well, I, I think that the thing here is that they're expecting to lose now. Um, you know, and again, a lot of that is from early in the season, but it's like they don't, they don't look confident. And then at the wrong times, 
the wrong guys are confident. Like, you know, Tyler at the end of that game, I'm, I'm not really sure if he should have been in in the overtime because he kept giving up, you know, offensive rebounds on the other end. I mean, we can look at the statistics and say Tyler had a bunch of rebounds tonight, but he also gave up a ton of rebounds tonight. And, and I, I think we're at the point now with the heat there where the stats are starting to lie. You know, you know, I mean, you're getting triple doubles from Jimmy. You're getting near triple doubles from Bam. You're getting big scoring nights from Tyler or none. And as you said, they're still losing <laughs> because they're not doing any of the little things that they did last year. And, and I want to get back to some of this again. I'm a big Spolstra supporter, but I tweeted something late tonight and I'm, and I'm reaching at this stage. But like Alex, you mentioned, it was a strange decision. It's the third time this season that I can count that Spolstra didn't call timeout at the end and let them play. And it hasn't worked any time. Like, I just don't think that this is a team that can be trusted right now. And I'm kind of wondering, like. Dan Craig was was basically handling timeout management for him at times over the past few years. I, I just it just seems like little things that are not there from last season have become big things, whether it's a Jay Crowder or a Dan Craig or something where it's just the mix is not working. And I didn't expect them to win. I mean, look, I picked the Warriors before this game. I, you know, we talked about it on the pregame, but even when they were up 10, it's like, as soon as it started to get away, I don't expect them to win anymore. Like they look like a bad basketball team and fans are getting on like the combinations. How do you play Nunn and hero and Robinson together? I don't know who they could play Alex. That's going to make any difference there. Right. Like I, it, it feels like they're all infected by this thing right now. Yeah. And I think that, it's kind of what we come down to. Like, this mix just isn't enough, I think. Like, I know Spo, he's always going to say we have enough, and it really isn't. Like, this team just – like you said, I'm, I'm with you 100%. I don't have faith in this team like I did last season, especially in that bubble when they were just kind of resilient. Like, this team has been the complete opposite of that. And without Goron, like, they, they just look so all the weaker, right? And then you talk about their defense, and that's just kind of been my biggest – qualm with them outside of all you know all the other holes I just cannot stand watching teams that are constantly giving up points and it's like the, the heat in my entire life the Miami Heat have been pretty much a defense first team so it's been just a little bit weird and kind of rough having to deal with this team that you know was supposed to be kind of a two-way team and, and we know they were offensively uh you know, they were leaning on their offense last year but they were still a pretty good defensive team and had good defensive discipline and like Tonight, the only thing they did well on that end was trying to trap Steph and then for some reason let him get to single coverage at the end there in overtime. I don't know why. And then, you know, that last dagger, for, not that it was Kendrick Nunn's fault, but why did you decide to bail on the trap there? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, to me, there was just a lot of, you know, there, there's been a lot of soft defense. They can't really uh, put together runs. They can't control and keep leads because they don't play a lot of defense. And their offense, like they, they, had, a, they had a nice offensive game tonight. But when there's no defense, like, and there never is, like, this team just does not look like a real playoff, uh, you know, contender to me, and not a conference finals contender. It's a shame because the offseason additions completely fell flat on their face. Like, let's make no mistake about it. There's no way that you can sugarcoat that the offseason um, was, was a complete failure. There's just no way you slice it. And then, so that just left that much left. Um, or that much less margin for error with this group and everybody had to come back and, and the internal development and the internal growth was going to need to be relied upon even more. And, it, and all of that was going to have to be ex accentuated because like Mo Harkless and Myers Leonard are not providing you anything and Avery Bradley can't stay on the court. And I, you know, I'll tell you what, 
I didn't stay up for this uh, episode against the Clippers the other night, and I woke up to a barrage of text messages, uh, some of which were uh, from a couple folks pretty close to the Heat that felt they they threw their hands up in the air after that Clippers game. I would imagine that tonight uh, there's similar feelings, and um, I, you know, obviously I'm not going to allude to any like trade that's happening immediately, but what, what I can say is that they're setting themselves up with the amount of expiring contracts and young players that they are going to mix this up. I just don't see any other way forward that, that doesn't involve mixing this up. Well, you mentioned um, Harkless. Okay. This was the type of game where you, you know, if, if Harkless had been what they expected that he would have played a lot. Okay. You, you were going against a team that really wasn't playing anybody taller than six, six or six, seven. Like this is the type of game that a guy who supposedly has some athleticism, some defensive quickness, like would have been valuable to them. Even a guy they probably would have thrown on Curry. Um, not that the Curry defense didn't work. Although I will say this, I want to see what Curry's uncontested shots are when that comes out on the stat site for the NBA, because I feel like he was open all night. I, I <laughs> He was missing shots. He usually, he makes the contested ones. Typically he was missing uncontested ones. It was a matter of time. Okay. And, but this is the type of game that you would have used a Harkless. This is the type of game that if Casey Akpala was where, you know, it was kind of teased that he was at this point, in a game like this, that was a little bit up and down at times that he would have played also like, you know, and, and I know everybody's on me depth, depth, depth. And I went, look, I didn't expect them to have so many dead roster spots this year. They just have so many dead roster spots. And so everybody's like, well, why is, why is Spolster playing hero with none and, and Robinson together uh, in long stretches when they need defense, he doesn't have anywhere else to go. <laughs> you know, they, I don't mm -hmm. know if they held Struess. He played Vincent tonight. I don't know if he held Struess out because they're trying to protect the, the two way days maybe. Um, but you know, it, it's just, it doesn't seem to be any rhyme or rhythm to it. All right. A word here from Manscaped, and then we're going to try to put a bow on this part. And then we're going to uh, talk to you about, uh, we're going to do the value play segment with Eric Brown. We'll get back to our episode here in a second. Before we do, I want to tell you about another of the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network. You know, Knicks are no good in the NBA. You're familiar with that? The Knicks are no good? Well, Knicks are no good when you're shaving certain parts of your body either. So that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created. I never thought I would actually say that on a podcast. And just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. When I tell you this is premium, I mean, premium, the battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower. One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Make sure you trim yourself. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code 5RSN at manscaped.com. And now this is where I end my career. Your balls will thank you. And now back to the episode. All right, right back here on five on the floor. Um, tomorrow night, or it might be tonight by the time everybody's listening to this. It is tonight, actually, as we're recording this. They got to get up for Sacramento, um, a team that took them to the wire at home and they needed a BAM closeout basically on Fox to finish that thing. Uh, 
guys, I don't have any confidence there either. <laughs> this feels yeah. like the death blow. It feels like if you lose this one, like, I, I, I don't know if you come back from it. And I know that like, that's like hyperbole and hard to like quantify, but man, to lose a game again tomorrow. Oh, I mean, I mean, Alex, where, where are, I mean, you know, I mean, the Kings played them tough last time. Yeah, no, this Kings team is definitely is definitely one that can capitalize on what's going on with the Heat right now and, and, and take a W. Like, maybe this is the game the Heat finally turn it around. But once again, like I said earlier, I just don't have faith in this team at all right now. I think this is a team that is, like you alluded to, they're just kind of on the downswing. And it really seemed like, okay, maybe they were digging themselves out of that hole with that four-game winning streak that, you know, we all knew that they were eking out wins. It's not like they were particularly impressive. But it's little by little, you take whatever win you can, and they can't even get wins. Like, I, I know I'm, I'm kind of boiling it down to the most simple aspect of just wins and losses, but this team has no guts. And that's shout out to you, Leif, because yeah. that's that's exactly what I'm seeing. Like, they just, they they lose it. Like, they they cannot hold on to composure. They, they, they don't keep composure. They're just constantly trying to find it and constantly trying to find flashes of what they were last season. And it's just... I'm dumbfounded. I'm dumbfounded by this team. I thought they would be able to put it together by now or at least, you know, be on the road to that. And instead, it's gone the complete opposite direction. Like, I literally don't know what to say. Yeah, I think I think dumbfounded is going to be the headline of this, uh, <laughs> the title of this episode. And look, there are times, okay? I mean, there was that one sequence where Jimmy went in and dunked and Bam, you know, went right to the basket. And you're like, okay, there it is. And, and I think that's what's so frustrating about this group but particularly about their two best players who have put up the numbers have played well. Okay. So there's no question. Bam dominated early this game as he should against a team that had no size. Okay. But it's like the thing that's so frustrating is for both of them, they're capable of doing exactly what they need to do when they're aggressive and they're selfish. And the two of them, it's the same thing with Spolstra. I think this is what's happened with this group. There is this outside con outsized confidence in the rest of the group beyond Spo, Bam, and Jimmy that is no longer deserved, okay? And especially when Dragic is not there, right? It's no longer deserved. But the three of them are all acting like it is deserved. Like they're trying to prop up the rest of the group and it's just not happening, okay? So when you see, you know, Jimmy pass up a layup, okay, on a possession late in the game and you're like, no, you're the guy. You, you're the one we trust, Okay. And, you, you know, you see all these passes to Olenek and Duncan and Hero in these situations, and they're not coming through. It's just like at some point, and I don't know when it happens. It seemed like it happened a little bit for Jimmy when he came back, okay? But for Jimmy and Bam, it's just got to be, it's us. We don't have anybody else, right? I mean, just that's it. The two of them have to dig them out of this because I don't trust anybody else in the roster, especially until Goran comes back. Yeah, no, I mean, that's it. It's those two guys. It's just tough to expect that much more out of them when they are most nights playing above their season averages. Jimmy Butler is making triple doubles a regular occurrence. I mean, what is he? He's got to be second in franchise history now. Uh, that didn't take long. Um, so you start to get to that point where, like, you feel that the stars, even though you expect them to do more, it's like really truthfully like realistically in the month of February in a seventh in a 73 game season, like can they do more and is that sustainable? And then that all goes back to the roster construction conversations, the depth and, uh, and how you move forward with the right 
talent and mix around these guys. And I think that this is all coming to a head right now where I think everybody's looking in the mirror and the organization is, and uh, we may see some movement because of it. Yeah. I think we're past looking in the mirror though. I, I think, you know, you got to crack the mirror at this stage. I, I just, you know, I, I, I was one of the holdouts. I gave up after the Clipper game on this particular group. I think that there are pieces of this group that still make sense. Clearly to me, the top two guys do, but everything else at this stage, you know, has to be looked at if you're going to salvage it. And maybe Adam's idea that at this point, you just take the step back. You do what I think a lot of us don't want them to have to do, which is, you know, you, you flip off a Goron for a first round pick and you just move forward to next season because I, I don't, I just don't see it right now. And look, Pat Riley knows what championship basketball looks like, and this is not it. Okay. It's just not it. Uh, I mean, they, they, as, sure. as Alex said, they just don't, they just don't have the guts this year. All right. Well, you have the guts to stick around. Uh, we're going to get a little bit more philosophical here. Um, I spent about 15 minutes with Eric Brown today. Some interesting stuff. He put me on the spot with what I would do. Um, I will tell you that I, as you listen to this, uh, I would be, uh, uh, a little less sentimental, I think, than I was when I recorded this a little bit earlier today. All right. Check out manscaped.com. Use the code 5RSN. Get on to best ever. Go bstevr.com. Uh, that is free. And of course, we always tell you prizepicks.com. Use the code 5. Welcome back to Five on the Floor and the Five Reasons Sports Network. Now we're going to do one of our regular segments. We do this with our friend Eric Brown. You can find him at fivereasonsrealtor.com. That's F-I-V-E, reasonsrealtor.com. If you're looking to buy or sell a property in South Florida, this is the place to go. But he also helps us out from a heat perspective. Longtime heat season ticket holder, follows the team closely. And he does our value play segment where at times he puts me on the spot. Eric, what you got for me this week? Uh before we talk about specifically basketball, buying and selling, and I think this applies to the heat situation. You want to sell when everybody's buying and you want to buy when everyone's selling. So let's remember that as far as how that applies to the market, not only for homes, but for any assets and specifically basketball assets. Um, I wanted to uh, ask you quite frankly, isn't there an inherent problem with the strategy that the Heat embarked on uh, this year? And namely, I'm referring to the fact that last year we had all these young players and it was all, everyone was together. We're all about the Heat culture. And then this year, the second that Myers Leonard was signed to a $9 million contract, it was obvious that that was a contract that was to be bundled with the lower cost players, namely the younger ones that were going to be traded out of town for uh, Giannis or possibly Bradley Beal. So I want to understand, how do you sell that? I'm a young player. How, how do you sell that to me? And how does that, how does you think that sits with me when I'm supposedly buying into the heat culture, we sacrifice for one another, we go the extra mile, we're a special, uh, we're a special franchise. But I know you're going to dump me as, as soon as uh, a suitable whale is identified. That's one of the problems the organization has always kind of had um, because of their aspirations. And, you know, it hasn't been as much of an issue when they haven't had sort of accumulated young assets. But when they have, that's always been a problem. I mean, for, for years, um, you know, th that first year, Josh Richardson and, and Justice Winslow, you know, were a core part of it's particularly Winslow, but Richardson later in the year, 
of that 15-16 team. But as time went on, both of them kind of kind of got mentioned repeatedly as trade assets. And I think it got to both of them um, at times. And I think it got to this group too. When we had George Sedano on, you know, he talked about what happened with the Lakers a couple of years ago when all the talk was when, how are they going to get Anthony Davis and which of their four or five young pieces were they going to move? They ended up moving three of them. Um, but in the interim, it really affected a lot of those players, particularly Brandon Ingram. And, you know, it, it's just one of those things that to a certain degree becomes unavoidable when you have a team president or, in, or in, you know, in L.A.'s case, LeBron, you know, is basically their team president, even though he's not. Uh, or a Pat Riley, who is always going for championships because you know that you're always ultimately expendable. It's one of the reasons why, you know, I didn't really love the heat culture and heat lifer designations that the teams always used because it's too high a standard. I mean, to say someone is a heat lifer, but then Dwayne Wade walks away, uh, that doesn't mean a whole lot at that point. And heat culture, I, I get the premise of it. I understand stability in the organization, continuity, hard work toughness and all of that is they're all good principles to embody but ultimately business gets in the way and when you're playing for a pat riley team you are always expendable um and, and i think that's the balance it's between sentimentality and and expendability and in that case you know sometimes pat has gone too close to the sentimental road such as you know bringing back the 06 champions the next year or uh you know bringing back you know at high cost a lot of the 16 17 team the next year for long-term contracts, it's a tough balance, but I do think it has affected this team. Um, it's hard for me to say Eric exactly how much, because I'm not around them. Like I typically would be where I'd be able to get a better idea when I'd be in the locker room and talking to guys, we don't get that kind of access, but just from talking to people who are around the team, it doesn't have the quite the same feel that it did last season, either before the bubble or in the bubble. So it, it's a cost of doing business. Pat's not going to shy away from going for the next big thing. But he tried to straddle the line, Eric. He talked about r running it back, but we're always looking for the next thing. I mean, <laughs> those are mixed messages, but but that's that's part of the deal. You know, it's if, if these guys had three or four years in the league and they were young players and they knew who they were or what they were going to become, but Tyler Hero, uh, Duncan Robinson, uh, Precious Achua, <laughs> Casey Akpala, they they don't they don't know what they're what they are. So I, I, when you're trying to develop and establish yourself and at the same time, somebody's basically indicating that you're expendable, that's got to work on your confidence. I mean, there's something's off this with this team. And I'm just suggesting that that at least in part might be contributing to it. Yeah, I think it played a role, particularly with Tyler early. Um, I, I think you saw Tyler trying to do too much. And I think he's gotten better when they've taken things off his plate, but also the hardened trade happened without him in it. Right. So I think that probably took off pressure. And until Bradley Beal announces that he wants out of Washington, which I don't think is happening anytime soon, you know, then Tyler is not necessarily a piece that's going to get moved. And again, even the way I phrased it, a piece that's going to get moved. I think, you know, it's not just us. It's, it's, on, it's more than us. It's, it's the fans on social media. It's heat Twitter you know, the players see that stuff. And, you know, every time that Kendrick Nunn has a good game now, people are sending him to Washington or Houston. You know, it's, it, it, it's, it's tough for these guys and, and it has not been an easy situation, but again, I don't, I don't know the alternative. I mean, they're always going to go for the bigger player. I, it's just, it's the way that Pat operates. I don't think anybody would want it any other way, but the, the people who get kind of sacrificed in the deal are those guys. And I know you wanted to get to um, the heat's contention window, 
uh, a little bit. Uh, what do you have on that? Yeah, well, you know, last week we debated whether uh, the, this team was one major acquisition away from uh, opening a legitimate championship window, or that they're a young team that was uh, building towards opening a championship window in a year or two. And then I heard Nikias Duncan last night. And if you folks haven't listened to that podcast, you really should. It was extremely informative. He's very knowledgeable. And I think that he, you know, he had a lot of very interesting observations. He said that, among other things, the Heat's greatest need is a three-level scorer. Uh, he said also in passing that Jimmy Butler is a one-level scorer. And he also said that if you were to trade for Zach Levine or John Collins, uh, you'd probably have to give those guys a year or two to reach their peaks and then make another move. And oh, by the way, you'd probably have to get Jimmy Butler to sign off on that. Jimmy's 31. And if it's two years, that's it's going to be 33 before they, they make that next move. Uh, I thought that those comments basically said to me that if you don't get Bradley Beal, because he's the only three-level scorer that I know of that could potentially be on the market anytime in the near future. And that's if you could even get him. Uh, if you don't get him, then you're looking at something that puts you more into that second category of a young team that's developing and going to open a championship window in a year or two. It's a great point. And, you know, what you also got to understand is Nikias comes from the place of being a Heat fan. So he he's not necessarily going to be critical for the sake of being critical. I, I think what we've seen this year a little bit, one comment that I think uh, really stuck out to me on Twitter, I've mentioned this on the podcast, uh, somebody who responded and said basically that the Heat are suffering in part because Eric Spolster did such a good job last year, that it's reminiscent of the 16-17 team where Eric got essentially by designing sort of the perfect offense for a group. In that case, it was the drive and kick game. In this case, it was the dribble handoff game primarily that essentially he was so far out ahead of the league that the heat's talent looked better than it was. And then you pay for it the next year when teams start to catch up. And, and I think we've seen some of that. And I think the very fact that we could have Nikias on and we could say to him, what do they need most? A three-level scorer, a, a core piece next to Bam, or a point guard? And essentially, his answer is kind of all three. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think it tells you how sort of far away maybe they are and, and, and in a way that we didn't think they were. Now, Harden would have been the three-level scorer. The problem is in that trade, you would have had to give up everything else that would have prohibited you from essentially filling the other two needs. Um, they have to find a way to kind of thread the needle here where they can add all three without completely gutting the future and, and the entire roster. And I'm not exactly sure how they're going to do that. I mean, that basically means you need a John Collins, right? The player next to bam, you need a Kyle Lowry, the point guard, and you need a three level scorer, a Bradley Beal. You're not going to get all three. Okay. At that level. So it's where do you settle beneath them? You know, maybe, Rudy Gay becomes the, you know, the stand-in option, you know, as the player next to Bam, or maybe there's a DJ Augustine type who can be the point guard. You're not going to get high level guys at all three spots. I think the question is, how do you prioritize? How do you get as close as you want, as you can get? But then when you look around the league, is that even going to be enough? And, and I think that we've sort of seen this year that maybe it wouldn't be. All right. Well, that uh, allows us to transition very nicely. Um, 
to uh, the interview that I want to have now with uh, GM coach Skolnicek, who is a, a distant uh, blood relative of uh, uh, GM Bill Belichick. And, uh, and for you listeners that maybe didn't hear before, uh, Coach Sko, as we call him, he's a heartless guy. <laughs> he, he cares only about winning a championship, uh, loyalty, kindness, empathy. They don't in enter into any calculation he makes. I mean, he's, he's Scrooge at Christmas. He doesn't give kids, you know, candy at Halloween. So he, all he wants to do is win a championship. So with that in mind, uh, uh, Coach Sko, yes. I want to ask you this. Since I, since I think we've, uh, uh, Ethan and I have agreed that the Heat really have some um, needs that have to be filled before they can really open up a legitimate championship window. Um, how do we fulfill those needs? So if we're going to trade for a three-level scorer, particularly if it's a Bradley Beal, we probably need to accumulate some more assets. Mm -hmm. So I, the first asset that I, you know, the first place I see us acquiring an asset is, and I, I mentioned this to you last time, Goran Dra got Dragic for uh, protected first. Mm -hmm. um, that was, Nikias was for, Nikias Duncan was for that as well. So what do you say, Coach Sko? Well, Adam Borai, uh, you know, who goes by clutch uh, with us, uh, he's the one who actually pitched that on our pod as well uh, a week ago. Um, I would be reluctant very reluctant. Um, I don't think that's typically the way you should deal with players of that caliber. And well, I, you're Coach Skull. You're not Ethan. I, I, I understand. No, no, I, I understand that. But I also think organizationally, it, it can be bad policy to basically cut bait on a guy like that because I, I do think other free agents notice that, and I think it can be detrimental. With that being said, if you're talking about asset accumulation, I would have to look seriously at it. Um, I think that the first guy I would ask about it is Jimmy Butler. I, I would not make that move without consulting Jimmy. I think that could backfire badly um, if he is not in on the plan and why that's a necessity to do that at this stage. He may tell you no, and then you have a hard decision to make, but you better ask Jimmy. But my lean there is, again, depending on the standings, if it looks like it does now, which you're not that far out, but you're not playing well, I would look seriously at doing it, yes. Uh, you know, I, I just want to point out that uh, I'm a big I'm a big Goran fan, and I understand why the, the fan base is so fond of him. But he's been here seven years. They did just give him 19 million dollars this year, which is I think an overpay uh, to to some degree. It's not like you know they they took advantage of him. I think he did take a little bit of a pay cut, if I remember in the original contract, but I think they've made that up and, and then some. So to send him on to a Boston or a Philadelphia or a Dallas, I mean, that, that, that's, that's not terrible. I mean, I don't, I don't really see that as abusing someone. No, I, I don't either. Um, I think, again, consultation with him, about where he would go and consultation with Jimmy about how he feels about it. I think both of those things are necessities. All right. Um, and as a talent evaluator, I wanted to ask you, does Duncan Robinson have more value as a re-signed player to trade, to trade later 
even at that lower number that, again, Nikias mentioned last night, 14 to 17 million? Uh, or would, would you rather have a first round draft pick for him now? Soon. Wow, that's a tough one. Because um... it, gets, it gets you out of having to pay him, let somebody else pay him. And, you know, right. you get, you get a future asset because. Well, well, but you, but you added the caveat is, as you potentially could trade him later. And I'm just trying to process whether or not that would be possible. Um, in most cases, I think most of the time when we talk about, you get a contract to trade the player later, uh, you don't end up getting value for the player when you do that. That's what we heard about when they signed those James Johnson, yeah. Deion Waiters, <laughs> Kelly Olynyk deals. And the reality is Kelly's still here in part because he was never really completely tradable. Uh, and they basically had to give Dion and JJ away and were happy to do so at that point without getting real value. So, you know, although actually they did pretty well in that trade because they did get Iguodala and Crowder back during that whole sequence, but I, you know, but they had to part with justice. Uh, so I, I'm always dubious on the sign a guy and you can move him later part. I mean, some, you know, sometimes that helps make a deal work because the numbers end up getting to a high enough level where you can match. But I would say right now, if I would take a first round pick, I, I don't know. I think this is a cop out. I think it depends kind of where the team is. I think if it's a top 15 pick in this upcoming draft, would I take it? Yes. Cause this is going to be a very strong draft after the top 15, even as well as the heat have drafted, it becomes a crap shoot. And I would say no. So I'm going to split the difference there. Okay. Um, and the last one, which we talked around a little bit around last time, if you, if you can't get Beal and you do sign a Collins or a Zach Levine or somebody else that has to spend a couple years developing, and also let's not forget that Bam needs to spend a few more years developing. We discussed last time that you don't win with youth, you don't win a title with youth in the NBA, and that's still true. It didn't change from February 8th when we recorded. It's still, still a, a, a truism. If you actually go and do that, would you consider seriously trading Jimmy Butler? And let me just, again, remind you, he's a one-level scorer. And Nikias said he was a two-level scorer. Now he's a one-level scorer, which he didn't say his game dropped off. He just said the shot's not there. But that's another way of saying his game has dropped off. He's going to have to give a couple years before these other guys are ready. And if we don't get Beal, somebody else is going to get, somebody else will have gotten Beal. And they're, they're, the, the losers in that auction could be open to giving us some picks and maybe a young player for Jimmy Butler that you could use along with Levine or Collins and, and, and um, bam to build to that championship i would not trade jimmy butler um to me and i know i'm not supposed to be sentimental here uh but to me again it is, it, as a business decision as an organizational business decision it's a bad decision to trade a guy that you sold on the culture brought in here and performed to that level and then to move him i understand the fear about further decline i mean i 
I think the decline that Caius is talking about is kind of a weird decline. I, I don't really know why the jump shot is gone, but it has been. I, there's no way to argue otherwise. It's gone. Uh, but he has improved so much in other areas to compensate for it. And even Nikaias said that he's really good at that one level, uh, whether it's getting to the rim, post up, uh, or getting to the line, that it's compensated for it. And he's still playing at an elite level defensively. Um, and so to me, I mean, you're three years out. I mean, at this point, two and a half years out from the end of that contract, you can see it from here. And I think one of the things that's been overstated about Jimmy is the minutes. I mean, Jimmy had a lot of seasons. He only played 60 games. And so the minutes have not accumulated on him the way they have, say, a LeBron. Um, LeBron's a freak of nature, obviously, but look what he's doing at 36. And LeBron has played many, many, many more playoff minutes than Jimmy has. So I think you're in with Jimmy until the last year of his contract. I think in the last year of his contract, if they haven't gotten to a championship, you may owe it to Jimmy to try to move Jimmy, okay, if that contract is, is movable. But right now, would I trade Jimmy Butler? I would not even entertain the thought, no. Oh, I just want to remind you that um, Butler re relies on his athleticism. Um, and LeBron, you know, like you said, while a freak of nature, he's never shot the three better than he has now. And the players right. that, that have this kind of durability are normally the ones that can, can shoot from the perimeter. They can last a real long time. But I will give you the caveat to this before we close. The caveat to that was Dwayne. And the question is, can Jimmy mold his game uh, in a way that Dwayne did with the old man tricks and all the rest of that? Because Dwayne never became – he tried towards the end of his career but never became you know, even a, a serviceable three-point shooter. He was a, if I need one, I'll make, get one occasionally, but sometimes he went to it too often. Uh, but Dwayne's athleticism pretty much went away, and he didn't get to the line as often as he did before, which is still some, something that Jimmy's doing. And yet he still found a way to be effective. So to me, it's more Jimmy becoming more of a magician in the post and developing some of that other stuff. But I do think defensively he can play at an elite level. I mean, Andre Iguodala can't do it all the time, but you know, he'll Andre Iguodala is two years older or three years older than Jimmy will be at the end of that contract. He's still a good defender. I, I don't have any doubt that Jimmy can be a good defender. Can he be a core, a, a leading scorer on a team at that age? Maybe not. But I, I don't think it's good, it's good business policy to even entertain moving Jimmy Butler for the next year at the very least. Unless he asks. Unless he asks, which he's not, which I can tell you it's a good way to close because I've had this on Twitter and this, he's not asking. He likes it here. It's, that's, he still likes it here. He's still comfortable with the organization. That's not going to happen, okay, at least not for the next year or two. Okay, Coach Sko. I think you're you're softer than your, your relative. I, I I I think so too, but I, I think I'm taking organizational concerns into con in, uh, organizational concerns into consideration. All right, five reasons realtor.com. Talk heat with him. Obviously, if you're looking to buy or sell a property, this is the place to go. Um, Eric, we really appreciate the time. We'll do it again next week. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, 
You're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.